Welcome back to Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Uh, it's the usual crew. We got Adam, Rhiannon, myself, and we are finally all caught up. Uh, the COVID fairy is gone, and so I have seen Thor, and so we will talk about all sorts of stuff today. Um, before we get going, everyone doing well? You guys beating mm. the heat? I'm still COVID negative. There you go. That's all for three more days. <laughs> Two more days. That's that's right. Rhiannon's headed to uh, San Diego, so the uh, the con crud has uh, a more of a COVIDy crud concern to it. My goal is to not catch COVID until Hall H on Saturday. Like catch <laughs> it there. If I catch it there, I should be able to get the red eye. Like I'm taking a red eye home Sunday night, so I should be able to do that before. It presents itself and gets contagious and all of that. So that's my goal. Don't catch it until Hall H. Also, if you're taking the red eye back, what what is it, Saturday night? Or Sunday? Sunday night. Sunday night. Taking the red eye from San Diego Sunday night back, stay away from Rhiannon because <laughs> he's not confident that she'll be safe by that point. I'm not going to be like licking doorknobs, but and I assume everybody on that red eye on Sunday night is coming from San Diego Comic-Con, so they all have it too. They've all got the crud, yeah. did you see that they're putting in new like mask requirements and everything like now they've had mask requirements from the beginning they've said that masks will be oh okay deadline reported it almost like it was like new that was like added like you have to have your vaxes and you have to or you have to have negative tests and you got to mask up and all that kind of stuff no no they've been very upfront about that the masks were going to be required inside i think some people were like thinking there would be clarification and Like they wouldn't have to have masks if they had on a costume or something, but they have said since the beginning that you would have to have on a mask, that it would have to be visible. That's what New York Comic-Con did. It This cosplay at New York Comic-Con was still amazing. Um, None of this is new. I think it's just, I mean, what's new is the BA5 variant. So that's going to be so much fun. So much fun. So much fun. Hey, remember we did podcasts like two years ago about how long could this possibly last? (laughs) (laughs) I was very wrong. It's been very long. Absolutely. All right. So I want to start out happy and then we'll get not happy and then we'll try to end happy, I guess. So Adam, you had a great suggestion that we kind of look ahead and make our predictions to what we're going to see at San Diego. I thought we might do that first because I think everybody's always excited to look ahead. Everybody Mm -hmm. loves a good Comic-Con dump. Uh, Adam, do you have, uh, I'll let you go first as your idea. Do you have any thoughts about what you're hoping to see this weekend or think we will see this weekend? I think we will see announcements of all the trade reports of the past, what, two years or something. So what, Captain America 4, Deadpool 3, probably a Deadpool 3 subtitle. Uh, or slogan or whatever you want to call it uh thunderbolts yep what other movies am i missing i would think i mean i'm not sure this is exactly me but the, i think they would date blade and make clear yeah. that what order blades coming up something like that. casting news because that's about to kick off production i wouldn't be surprised to see like a full full cast or at least a few characters um from that and then they'll they'll be a surprise i'm not expecting any series news whatsoever just because D23 is in a month. Okay, so two months or whatever. I'm curious though. I mean, I, I'd love your take. She Hulk premieres between now and D23. There might be She Hulk stuff there. A, a trailer, maybe. I don't know. I, I would usually say no to a She Hulk trailer because they've been going one and done with trailers for the shows. Mm-hmm. Except that first one was such a mess with the VFX yeah. talk. I sort of expect them to have another short trailer where every VFX shot is like totally clean and right. finished and then drop that to get everybody to shut up about it. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I really I want some clean VFX. No, who knows? I mean, that, that's that. I'm not sure if the series will even have clean VFX. So we'll just see. It's been kind of slipping as a recent. There's a whole host of issues for that. So, so we shall see. I totally forgot Friday morning, Friday early afternoons, the animation panel. So yeah. we might get um, series stuff th- via that. Um, I'm assuming zombies first look, maybe a what if two trailer 
Um, maybe some announcements through there. We've heard nothing about Spider-Man. Um, what else did they even announce? Um, uh, X-Men, something X-Men, X-Men 97. Yeah, like a 97 um, trailer or something given that uh, the, the Miss Marvel reveal. Um, but yeah. I I don't know. I want to I want to temper my expectations. I, I don't want to go too wild and crazy with it and and guess all of this stuff. But yeah, there will be a uh, a big reveal. I would guess. Could they pull? Are they casting the Fantastic Four this week? Um, are they um, in final talks with Steven Spielberg or something? You know, today and tomorrow and getting them out there it is interesting i started following there's a uh twitter account i saw that's like celebrity jet tracker or something and uh spielberg's jets are, are one of those they track so it'll be interesting to see if it goes to san diego this weekend or something yeah but um yeah no i we'll see i'm trying to remember shang chi a few years ago i mean they cast simu liu like it would be like today or tomorrow, right? As I remember that, like they made the final call yeah. earlier that week and then got him on a plane to San Diego three days later or something like that. Mm-hmm. Correct. So all that's still possible. I think it's helpful that you you mentioned that there's going to be that animation panel. I think we're also going to see relatively the divorce of the Marvel Studios brand and the marvel studios animation brand the fact that they're treating them separately here i think will be the beginning of a long trend that we should not expect feige to be giving us updates on 14 cartoon shows you know like i feel like that's going to become its own beast here pretty quickly right 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 yeah i want to and that's the weird thing the guy that oversees animation also oversees disney plus as well so i want um hesitate or i won't be surprised to see an eventual return of marvel tv at some point yeah i would guess we get a what if date assuming that that season's ready to drop sometime this year it would not surprise me if we've like here like oh coming november 4th or whatever you know like we'll we'll get what if season two i it wouldn't surprise me because that would be the biggest get of something to give that panel, you know, like, I don't think it's possible that an X-Men 97 trailer would be ready yet. And so I would think what if might be the thing to, to go to Rhiannon, what are your expectations? So are you p- hoping to be at both? Was that right? Are you going to try to do the animation panel and the hall H or you think just the hall H what's it looking like for you? I mean, I'm definitely doing hall H. I probably won't make it to the animation panel. Um, I don't, I haven't made my, I haven't looked at the schedule yet. Thanks for letting me know there's, no, I knew there was an animation panel. Um, I just don't know Hall H. I'm camping out for Hall H. Right. Save Daredevil. Like we know there's, like we are not expecting Charlie Cox or any big Daredevil announcements there, but we are as a group all going to Hall H on Saturday and doing the camping out thing on Friday and uh, all of that. Um, so I don't know if I'll make it to the animation panel because it's not even that I need to be out in the Hall H line. It's that I'm incredibly anxious about needing to be in the Hall H line. So right. um, I will just kind of be there. Um, well, and if they give us a dare, if they do give us a She-Hulk trailer, there's a possibility Daredevil could be in it, right? There's a possibility. I'm, I'm setting my hopes so low. I'm setting my hopes like down at the bottom of the barrel, not expecting anything. And if I get something, then I will lose my mind. But if I don't get anything, I'll still be really excited. I mean, we know we're going to get surprises. I mean, as much as we already think we know about Marvel and what's coming and all of that, there's going to be something surprising. There's going to be something exciting. I mean, and if not, I'll get to see like the Black Adam panel earlier in the day um maybe even stay afterwards stay afterwards for some kevin smith i was about um, to say I, I, I bet you'll stay for kevin smith afterwards too it really all depends on how tired i am yeah um because it's all day i mean i'll i'll my current plan is to show up 
show up on Friday to take over our line pretty early in the morning. And then Saturday, I think my plan is to be there by 7 a.m. And then the panels start at like 10 a.m., I think, 10, 11. Like I said, I haven't really looked at the schedule. Um, so I'll, I might be exhausted. I might be just completely full of glee and wanting to stay through the Kevin Smith panel. I don't know. Or so exhausted that the adrenaline has now kicked in and you're actually having a good time again. Right, right, right. Yeah. right. Like I might just be full of Marvel adrenaline and stay through Kevin Smith. Cause I do like Kevin Smith. So, um, yeah. So I think we're going to get, you know, I hope we're going to get something worth doing all that crap. Um, and I'll be, I mean, I'll be live tweeting from all of it. I am so excited to be back to live tweeting panels, you guys. So excited. Yeah. I'm excited. I, uh, you, you know, it'll be fun to watch here from home. Yeah. yeah. I need to, um, check that I still have the Marvel news desk sign in on Twitter. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll figure um, out. and all of that by then, uh, we will not do that mistake that we did before and just say the password on the podcast. So I have it. <laughs> well, the um, funny thing is, I think that the pod is still, a derivative of yeah. what it was when we said it on the podcast, but we changed it enough that people would, would not know it. So yeah, that was yeah. pretty good. I remember that that time Adam gave our password out to the entire podcast. Yeah. yeah. I honestly don't recall that. <laughs> okay. uh, it was hilarious, Adam. Yeah, it was, it was good. Yeah. It was real yeah. funny. Okay. Uh, so, so do you have something you're hoping for though, Rihanna? I mean, like, is there something that would make your day to happen there? Like, I feel like anytime Deadpool is involved, there can be shenanigans. So I am excited. Like while we know there's a Deadpool movie coming, I'm excited to see Ryan Reynolds interact with Kevin Feige on stage. Like how are those two voices? I mean, cause Ryan Reynolds is known as much for how he promotes his properties, how he promotes himself. And I'm just very curious to see how the two interact and how, how, what tone they set with all of that. Um, I'm fully prepping, packing the tissues, whatever, for them to make a huge emotional moment with Wakanda forever. Yeah. Um, You know, I, I will feel let down if they don't do something that makes me cry. Um just we haven't seen anything from this movie yet and it's the next movie right yeah i mean they did i think namor's design leaked on some t-shirts maybe but yeah but marvel hasn't done anything yeah on wakanda forever so i'm i'm super excited to just sort of find out what this movie is going to be um and I feel like they have so much responsibility for this movie to be special. So I'm, I'm, that's probably what I'm looking forward to the most from this panel. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, some official recognition of some of the stuff that we've already gotten. And I would like at least one surprise, like at least, you know, we already know that there's going to be fantastic four or whatever, or Nova or, you know, Give us a surprise. Give us something new. Um, oh, yeah, I keep I keep remembering. I'm really looking forward to Namor. Like, yeah, I, I, I would think that. Well, that's my big prediction. I would think we're going to Black Panther two trailer. Yeah, and that it would have a shot of Namor in it. Yes. Um, we'll see. It's a little early for post pandemic trailers because nowadays they don't drop them until six weeks before the movie comes out. But. Um, I would think that that would be a play for here and not D23. I would think D23 would be more likely to be like an Echo trailer or a Secret Invasion trailer or something like that. So, um, yeah. So my guess would be that we'll get a Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer. I think the other big thing is I think Feige will give us a bigger picture of this is when Phase 4 will be over and maybe even drop some hints towards what the overall saga and storyline is. I mean, that's what he's teased in the trades. So I, I think a little more of the shape of phase four will be kind of talked about. It would not surprise me. Last time we had a big comic-con panel was 2019. 
And they gave us at the time what was supposed to be all the movies for 2020 and 2021. So right now we only know three of the four for next year. It would not surprise me if they roughly date five movies. I would not be surprised if they tell us what's coming in the fall of next year and then tell us what the four movies for 2023 are. Now, I think that we're right that it's going to be Cap 4, Thunderbolts, Deadpool 3, and maybe Fantastic Four. You know, like, they'll be like, here's four movies that you all already know are going to happen, but now we'll tell you, like, which quarter we're aiming to drop them in or whatever. So we'll, we'll see if that's the way it goes. But I would... I would think there's going to be some of that bigger stuff, even if it's, I could see him just doing one of those videos at the end, like they've done a couple times now where they just keep hitting us with logos, you know, where it's like Captain America four, February, 2023, Deadpool three, May, 2023, you know, like kind of that sort of a deal, I think would, would probably happen. Yeah. So. Well, and there's probably a Thor five or whatever we're getting. Oh. Yeah, so, I mean, sorry to segue. We'll, we'll get to it. When the when the last bit of Thor said Thor will return, I turned to my wife and said, does he have to? <laughs> Doctor Strange 3 would be a little more urgent, I would think, with the whole Clea tease, but we'll see. So that's the San Diego talk. Um, let's let We got to do it. We got to actually review Thor. I have now seen it. Uh, so here's the way I'll start, which I'm fascinated in. I don't like Thor Love and Thunder, but I don't like it for many of the same reasons that I don't like Thor Ragnarok. So as people who liked Thor Ragnarok, what do you see as the difference between Love and Thunder and Ragnarok that caused you to not like Love and Thunder? Sure. So I um, actually gave this some thought this week because it came up on Reddit and... uh... So my thing with Thor Ragnarok was you did have, I mean, I feel like Hela was as much as Marvel villains at the time was like fleshed out. We saw her, we knew her motivations. We, I feel like she got a good arc. Um, I feel like everything had a purpose, like, or I mean, mean, not everything had a purpose, but I feel like more things within more, the gags, more, the humor had purposes um you know like the whole the the whole going to sakar and 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 being in the thunderdome whatever the thing was you know reunited him with with bruce banner and it introduced valkyrie and and all of that had purpose Whereas I feel like they leaned on a lot of the humor from that. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe in both movies, you don't need Korg at all. But th- there was enough Korg in Ragnarok. Like, there was so little Korg in Ragnarok that it kind of left you wanting more Korg. Whereas Love and Thunder, like, gave you enough Korg to, like, be really excited that he was killed. <laughs> Um, it was just too much of something that that needed to be in small quantities. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of that stuff was wasted in Love and Thunder. You know, the actors, the Matt Damon actors, like why even have them in there if they're not going to have a purpose later in the movie? Um, I mean, there was opportunities, like as new Asgard goes through this, like for the people to rise up. And I mean, yes, the children rose up and did what they did, but like, why even lay? So, like, to me, the actor subplot like had no purpose. It was like, okay, here's a joke that was done. Let's do that joke again. It's like and, a sketch comedy show. Yeah. And I mean, like everything was like, here's this joke we did. Let's do that joke again. And let's take it to 11 this time. And so enough of the plot disappeared. Like, I understand that you, I mean, I think, I think, you know, you had a level of plot that you thought was missing in Ragnarok and they had even less plot in this. So it just like dropped below the line for me. And since the first one was below the line, it just dropped further below the line for you. Yeah. It's funny, Rhiannon, that you mentioned like characters and like, 
our our kids the first thing my 12 year old said was like i don't feel like anyone was in this movie like you know like there was all this time and space but there was no characters and they like got rid of characters for the big last battle i remember in the trailers people like looking at shots they're like oh the way this is framed there's empty space that must be beta ray bill that they've like edited out no it's just only thor and korg running around the universe together like that's it that's the movie and so i do think that there was a little bit of potential emptiness to that like there just there wasn't i mean i thought tessa thompson was incredible every second she was on screen she just wasn't on screen enough and there were moments like even in omnipotent city there's like a point where they like did a close-up on her face and i remember like i was feeling anxious because the pace was just like too like rambunctious and as soon as they focused on her and she started talking like i felt my blood pressure go down and i'm like oh this is a compelling actress not just like madcap zaniness you know like so i don't know i i missed i I felt like i would have loved a valkyrie movie much more than i liked a thor 4 i think you know if this had been her movie i would have loved it and I think we were sold a Valkyrie movie. I mean, I think that's the thing too. Like they went on stage at Comic-Con and said she was going to find her queen or trying to find her queen. We yep. didn't even get that. We got her flirting with one goddess or harem member or, you know, we got her flirting with one woman. We didn't get her trying to find a queen. We didn't even get a Valkyrie movie. We got, a, it was a very much a Thor movie. And I felt like they tried to replace Loki with like Korg. I don't know. I mean, like maybe the Loki balance, the little bit that he gives to it, like that being missing. Talk about making me much more of a Loki appreciator. I like Loki so much more after Love and Thunder than I ever have before because I go oh geez Tom Hiddleston was doing a lot of work in these movies <laughs> right right like I think like they need Tom's like dry um calm yeah I I well and I think Hiddleston adds an interesting strangely enough all interesting warmth because one of the things that struck me about this movie, I love Taika Waititi's movies, except the Thor movies, because I think he tells really heart-stirring stories. Whether it's Jojo or Hunt for the Wilder People, I, I feel like he really makes me feel for the protagonists. And his Thor movies seem strangely sort of cold and ironic and sarcastic for somebody who often puts his heart on a sleeve in a movie like Jojo Rabbit. And... So I was trying to figure out what that was. And I was like, well, Ragnarok was a little bit less that way. And I'm like, because of Hiddleston. Hiddleston and Hemsworth on screen together create a familiarity and a warmth and a heart that once Hiddleston was gone, nobody was providing. You know, like nobody was anymore giving you that sense of as messed up as Loki and Thor is. There's like a familial thing there that pulls on you. And there was none of that here. Right, right. And it's like they tried to replace him with Korg, and Korg is no Loki. Adam, you've been quiet. you have any thoughts on all that? Listeners, Adam is shaking his head. He's just saying you no. guys have pretty much covered it all. You've, you've really covered it all. Um, I suppose I don't really have anything else to add. I mean, we could talk in more depth about how I think Gore's uh, storyline was, no pun intended, butchered. But um, I was just disappointed. I'm still disappointed. So So, do you guys think this movie, because this movie was probably filmed around the same time as like Winter Soldier? Was it like, I mean, Falcon and Winter Soldier? Um, Pandemic filming when they weren't used to pandemic filming. Didn't they just fly out there when the pandemic started or? Right. But I think it was actually filmed closer to when Shang-Chi was filmed. Like, there was some overlap. Like, this movie was, like, last February through May, I think. And Shang-Chi was, like, May through... No, that's not right. Uh, 2020. Yeah, this was, like... This started, like, 2020. And then 
So it, it was closer, I think, to Shang-Chi's filming or to um or to Doctor Strange's filming than it was those 2020 Disney Plus shows. Okay. Because, I mean, like, I'm just, you know, it, it felt a lot like, I mean, you know, like they hadn't figured out how to film in a pandemic environment and maybe some of the weirdness of all of that was from that. Um, but Australia didn't really have a pandemic then. They did a good job of, like, isolating it. Yeah, I mean, Adam, I feel a lot of what you're talking about as far as gore. So maybe it's not fair, but I have, like, I've workshopped how I would fix this movie. And I think that I would not have Gore meet a god early on. I would just have him, like, praying and nothing happens and his kid dies. And then he becomes angry about that. And then early on, I would have him and Thor have a discussion where he's like, you gods don't care about us. And Thor would be like, that's ridiculous. Of course we do. Like, that's not fair. And then when they showed up at Omnipotent City, I would have it have like a facade of benevolent, kind deities until like he gets into a back room with Zeus and Zeus goes, don't be an idiot, kid. We don't care about these people. Right. And so like Thor has like some sort of devotion in his heart for like Zeus is a good guy. And then like two thirds of the way through the movie, there's this turn where all of a sudden we hear like, no, Gore is right. These gods are terrible. But instead, the gods were terrible from day one. Why am I supposed to care? This is what I struggled with. Why do I care if God, if Gore succeeds? Except for Thor, and I don't even really like Thor that much, but except for Thor, if Gore succeeds and kills all those people in Omnipotent City, are any of us going to cry? Like, they've done such a job to make them the least sympathetic characters in the movie. There's no tension in the movie because you're kind of hoping the gore will drop all those dudes dead like thor kills zeus we think and they're spilling like god blood all over the place if thor has no problem killing the gods why does he care the gore is trying to kill the gods you see what i'm saying like there's no tension in this movie because the bad guy wanted to kill people i wanted dead anyways if that makes any sense yes but if he killed the gods he could get to wherever that is that he could make the wish and kill all the gods i don't know Right, but but, but yeah, then like he would kill would all the gods. Movie. Yeah, I was like, what was the risk of the making of the wish? Will it kill half of the living creatures? No, just the gods. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I mean, like, I, I, I may have fallen asleep in the middle of the movie, um, and woken up when Valkyrie got stabbed whatever i missed what happened to her because i woke up from the crowd that was the thing too i mean like i went on opening night to an to the amc on 34th street in manhattan because i like marvel movies with a lot of people and there was no crowd reaction like there were no moments where everybody in the theater was like oh except for like the valkyrie moment but there and there were even like pauses in the show that you could or you know in the movie that you could tell they were expecting the theater to have a little reaction or something and it was almost awkward i almost felt like i was at a bad amateur comedy show from how they like gave this pause for the crowd to react and there was no reaction in my theater do you think feige and crew knew that like surely they had to know from the test screenings or is there is their test screening crew so inbred at this point that like they think everything's awesome and they're not getting good feedback? The evidently the test screenings said that Russell Crowe should have that weird accent that he had. Oh, did you guys see that? Like, like evidently did. Russell Crowe filmed all of his scenes with two different accents because Taika couldn't decide which one to go with, and they went with that, which was supposed to be a Greek accent, which. They went with that one because test audiences liked it. And it's kind of borderline offensive, isn't it? Like, I, I'm not trying to be like, yeah, like a snowflake about it. 
but like i don't know an australian guy and a british guy both doing bad like greek mobster accents which is weird because greek mobster isn't even really a thing in my mind but nonetheless it felt like a weird caricature of something that doesn't even exist it just felt very gross to me i didn't feel comfortable with it yeah i wasn't comfortable with it either I, I I didn't even get that it was supposed to be a Greek accent. I, I, I was the same as you. I thought they were just mocking mocking a Greek accent. Yeah. Actually, I thought it was Italian. Fine line between the Greek gods and the Roman gods. So, like, whatever. Yeah, right. Adam, any other thoughts? As we, we kind of, I, mean, I feel like, but, I mean, I guess here's the hard thing, though. I didn't find myself hating it. Isn't this movie just more blah than it is bad? <laughs> Like, it's not offensively bad. It's just boring. I am offended as an audience member. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, I mean, that was the thing. Like, after I was legit mad about it the day after I saw it, because this was the one thing I was most excited about this year. It's, I love Ragnarok. I love Taika Waititi. And we just went in and had this insultingly bad movie. Um, I just so it lacked any feeling. It lacked lovability. I, I don't know. Like just even the, like the guardian stuff at the beginning felt very like weird and off and inconsistent. Um, yeah. Well, and, and do we is Thor? I mean, I know that they change things up movie to movie, and we could nitpick other places. This Thor doesn't feel to me like the Thor we've had through these movies. Like he's regressed to infant stage at this point, and I don't exactly know why. Like it's a problem when Rocket Raccoon is a much more sensible, intelligent, wise figure than Thor. You know, Thor's been around for three thousand years, and the stupid raccoon who hates everyone is like. I don't know, more attuned to humanity. I, I just felt that was a weird, weird choice. Cause the part of the beginning where he like sort of selfishly just destroys that people's like sacred temple because he doesn't care about anyone. Mm-hmm. That is the Thor that ran into Jotunheim in the first movie. And I thought we developed past that in 2011, but maybe I'm wrong. I wanted Milnor to reject him. I mean, because that's really the only plot that goes throughout the whole movie is that Thor is in love with Milnor or like the love triangle between Thor, Wilnor, uh, Milnor, and Storm, Stormbreaker? Stormbreaker Storm? and Milnor, yeah. Stormbreaker. Like that love triangle is the only plot that successfully goes throughout the whole movie. And I just wanted Milnor to like no longer allow Thor. Yeah. He was no longer worthy or something. I did. I thought Jane's story was okay. And I cared more about Jane Foster than I ever have in these movies. So that's Mm -hmm. a positive. And I thought, I thought their conversation right before they got to the shadow land where they're like on the boat and he's like expressing his love. And then she just sort of blurts out. I have cancer. Mm -hmm. There was a truth to that scene and a heart to that scene that I thought, Oh wow, this is, this is good. It is too bad that there has been no like heartfelt, authentic relationship building for the hour and a half before this. So that this really hit home, you know, and I know people know from the comics, I almost wish we didn't know what was going on with her until halfway through the movie. Like, so that Thor finds out when we find out, like, I felt like that maybe would have hit a little different, but I mean, so it's weird because there's things I love. I like that scene. I thought the visuals in the shadow world was awesome. The like Tim Burton-y new Asgard scene with like the foggy night and the kids getting abducted by shadows. I thought that was creepy as all get out. I thought that was great. So like that stuff was all good. But then some of the other, I mean, I think I said to you guys, there was 45 to 60 minutes that I loved of this movie. It was just held together by like crappy duct duct tape <laughs> outside of that 45 minutes, you know. Is that it for us? Is that we're gonna close the door on Thor Love and Thunder? I think we should stop because if we keep going, I'm just gonna like get matter. Be I know, and I don't like to say negative stuff. I was trying really hard not to tweet about it because I, I didn't want to put out negativity. 
And so evidently, I mean, I DM'd with Charles Villanueva a whole lot. And then I guess I dumped it all here. Sorry, listeners. We've always said we're going to be honest about it. And this is the, I mean, I can't remember the last thing that we all disliked this much. I mean. In humans? Yeah, or Iron Fist 2 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Even that, Adam liked Iron Fist 2 more than he liked this. You guys enjoyed Iron Fist 2. I enjoyed Iron Fist 2. I like Ward Meacham, so he makes me happy. Yeah. He got a uh, Emmy nomination, right? Tom Pelfrey? Thankfully for guest, he, he got snubbed for his actual role, which is a crying out shame because he could have won. He should have won. But he got uh, him and uh, both uh, the couple. Kaylee, what's her name? Cuoco. Cuoco, Cuoco. She got to their dating now. He's not dating Lady Sif anymore. Talk about like a fun couple to go out to dinner with, right? Like Kaylee Cuoco and Tom Pelfrey. Maybe a fun double date, I would think. All right, let's talk about Miss Marvel. Um, my feelings on it will not be a surprise to anyone. Um, so Rhiannon, let's ask this first because we talked about we've talked so much on here about can Marvel Studios do TV? We felt like they had a better start, and it was rough in the middle. Overall, do you feel like this is a marked improvement now that you've seen all of it as far as Marvel? Yeah. yeah, I mean, you guys thought it had a rough middle. I thought the middle was necessary and I enjoyed I enjoyed every episode of this, which is one of the first. I think it's the first time I can say that. Yeah. Um, maybe Moon Knight, but it well, Moon Knight, I had issues after the final episode, but I, I enjoyed every episode of this. I enjoy all of these people. I feel like I got to know a rich cast of characters. I feel like this is the first time that we've genuinely had an ensemble of cast members that we got to know on a deep level. Um, and I feel a, a deep or wide, however you want to, I mean, Bruno and Kamran and her brother and her dad and her yeah. mom yeah. and even to a degree like um um uh, and and her 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 friend the the yeah the, the social media girl yeah the leader Zoe um, the leader like Zoe even um even her sister in law like she didn't have a ton but I feel like I know her character and I know who she is as a person you know yeah and that's what I've been wanting from television is to 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 have some time to sit with these side characters and get to know them a little bit and to to be with those relationships and see how they play out and go through the emotional battles of you know whatever's going on and i know adam just like has no interest in that stuff but it's what i like television for it's why i've liked these shows as television shows and i feel like they succeeded in this one yeah i heard somebody say that really great tv shows also, you can identify the episodes like the, this interview yeah. was talking about the leftovers. Like there are very specific leftover episodes that you can define by like just saying what episode it is. And everyone goes, oh, I know that one. Yeah. And I feel like this show, there was the AvengerCon episode. There was the introduction to the mosque episode. There was the wedding episode, the Pakistan episode, the flashback episode, and then the, the finale, the high school battle but they all are very clear in my mind, like what was the core of them. And they all had beginnings and middle and ends as episodes. And they all had a purpose in the plot. Like, I just think it's cool that I can distinctively tell you the six. If you ask me, what were the six episodes of Falcon, and the winter soldier? Uh, it's them doing some stuff and then doing some stuff in Europe and then doing some stuff back in the United States. And there's a Bayou you know, episode and there's, yeah, like I just I don't know it all kind of muddies in my mind a little the, the Loki episodes. There's four episodes of them walking around the TVA in old suits, you know, like um I mean I guess there was the Lamentous episode maybe, but there's the hurricane hitting a Walmart episode. <laughs> that didn't actually live up to emergency preparedness standards. <laughs> but anyways, I just felt like most Marvel, like it just gave us distinct plots for each episode and their own setting and their own sort of theme and i loved all that kind of stuff yes adam Adam, did you like it in the end yeah episode six is what the rest of the series should be 
the whole clandestine stuff was just malarkey. It shouldn't have even made it into the series. Why not just do the damage control? I'm still kind of lost and trying to determine the motivations of damage control. Like, do they do disaster recovery plus also hunt down in humans? Are they the enforcer of the Sokovia Accords? Or what what the deal is? And why is this lady make, you know, Hayward from WandaVision look like he's a saint or something, right? Because she mean, was or, bad to begin with, right. but then she just turned into full-on villainy. And it's just like, why why didn't we get this stuff through all throughout all six episodes instead of just the haphazard? Why does Kamala Khan need to save the world? She's a teenager who just discovered she had powers and she's already dealing with a multiversal interdimensional threat. I don't, I don't see why that's necessary. Yeah. I do feel like in that last episode, they lean pretty hard into like rogue agent who's trying to make a name for herself. So she oversteps and they also were very not subtle and like, she's kind of like the racist, right. Of, of damage control, you know, like why is it always the wrong people who get powers and you're like, what? And she's like, you know, kids. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like they definitely, I think, tried to play into that agent gone rogue sort of villainish part of it. But well, and I also feel like they, um, it feels to me like they're trying to create a government entity to maybe be, be the villain in future stuff. Like that they're building damage control up. I mean, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. ended up being evil. Like, is damage control going to end up being run by scrolls? And therefore, oh, yeah. you know, like, are are we building up this government entity to be the villain and throwing all this little stuff in that they had the the guy out at, at, at Westview and now they have, you know, people that would attack children in a high school like they're definitely making damage control out to be a corrupt government agency. Yeah. And I think they're doing a thing that they've had trouble with in phase four, where they take little micro things that in their minds is a story plot. Yeah. And a lot of the audience doesn't see it that way. So like I was okay with Wanda's progression to a villain in, in multiverse of madness. Cause I thought WandaVision walked you up to that. Yeah. But a lot of fans didn't see that. Yeah. Which is absolutely insane. Let's and, let's just talk about that. Which is <laughs> absolutely and utterly insane. I'm sorry, Twitter. But, but people still this, refuse to believe she is a villain, which is also just a whole other thing. I think this is supposed to be a similar thing, though. The damage control comes in after London and Peter Parker's issue with Mysterio, and they're cleaning up London, and they discover these drones. And so they acquire those drones from a Stark facility and then they investigate like, hey, where did these come from? How did these happen? And as people who deal with alien tech and homecoming, it makes sense that they start worrying about where the stuff comes from. And as they acquire those drones, they then make the mistake of starting to use those drones. And as they investigate Peter Parker, they develop this idea of like, maybe we need to like preemptively try to stop this stuff before it really gets bad. And so that causes some of them to be on the lookout for teenage heroes that would cause a problem. And then like, I think that's supposed to be developed in the the screenwriter's mind. I just don't think they made it as explicit enough for fans for us to see the way damage, damage control has grown from homecoming to no way home to here. If that makes sense. No, makes perfect sense. Um, We probably should talk about, the the x-men in the room i could not believe that they made kamala an x-men i mean they didn't didn't make her an x-man oh i mean she's a mutant okay you you think she's not rihanna you don't think this is are there x-men they played the x-men theme like they said mutation is like okay she got a Professor X treatment. Okay. I just can't believe so, they did that. But, yeah. so. so the history of so. it, like there was this unnecessary fan war between X-Men fans and Inhuman fans. And like to take the crown jewel of the Inhumans era and give it to the X-Men. 
if if you were prone to such things and you're an Inhumans fan, it would kind of feel like Kevin Feige peeing on you, like peeing on your grave. He's already buried the Inhumans movie and given you that Anson Mount nonsense. Then he mocked you a little bit in Multiverse of Madness by giving you Anson Mount again. And then now he's like, oh, by the way, Miss Marvel is a mutant. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I, I just think that there's definitely a way it can be perceived that way. <laughs> Yeah. Um I So but here's the thing. It's I feel like this is the best they could do without with neither confirming nor denying that Agents of Shield is canon. <laughs> that's the that's the reverse domino, you think? Is it goes back to they didn't want to have to deal with Agents of Shield. I really do. I think if she had been inhuman, then Okay, so why why didn't her powers show up like the rest of the Inhumans? Like, okay. you know, like with the Terrigen, you know, I, I think if it had turned out to be Inhuman, that would be a whole bunch of other questions. Um, so I feel like being a mutant, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. could still be canon. You know, agents of, I mean, and, and not to like stir that fire, but agents of steel shield could still be canon. It could not. We will probably never know, but until like Quake and Sousa show up in Secret Wars or something, but it is. Don't start that rumor. You'll get the people way too excited. I love, I love Star. I still, I still think, I still think that those are the two that could most fit in the current universe. Like that, they they ended in a good place to just sort of jump in and pop in and and set the internet on fire. Yeah. Um, but the way they did this, I mean, you had very big reasons that you felt Kamala needed to be inhuman. But I feel like they addressed the mutant thing enough that, like, this is something that comes from inside her. The bangle doesn't give her the powers. Something from inside her activates the bangles. So I feel like they addressed that, like, concern. And they gave her superpowers and they made her an awesome character. So I, I think it would be awesome if she was the first mutant. What would be wrong with her being a mutant? No, I, I think it's. I think it'll work fine. Some of that, as people have well pointed out at this point, she would have been a mutant if she had been developed at any other point in Marvel history except for the five-year span that she was created, right? Like, it was just an accident of history that she was an inhuman, um, which is an accident of the Fox deal and the MCU and all sorts of weirdness. I've always said that for me... The Inhumans are a great analogy to what it's like to be around someone who's from a foreign culture and how you interact with someone who has different value sets than you. Whereas the X-Men are a better metaphor for someone who is from a similar culture to you, but is somehow different, whether racially or they're a sexual minority or something like that, right? But that line is blurry, you know, like... I would say Kamala almost fits better as a mutant as far as the way those stories are told. And maybe her parents or grandmother would make more sense as an inhuman, you know, like the difference of like a generation that grew up in Pakistan versus the generation that grows up in the United States. But to me, those are all shades of things. They're all about people who are treated badly because they're different. And it's just in what way are they different and how are they different? And so I, I don't think it's a huge shift and I love, I thought they played it off really well when he's like, you know, a mutation. And she says, oh, that's just going to be another label. Like yeah. she basically was telling fandom, if you get all freaked out about this, it's just as bad as you getting freaked out because I'm a Pakistani superhero or I'm a Muslim superhero or I'm a female superhero. Stop worrying about the labels. Let the story tell itself. You know, like I thought that was a very clever way to address the camera almost by, by Marvel. But Yeah, I don't think people heard it. I think it was a little too subtle for the internet. Adam, what are your thoughts on the uh, the X Men or the, the the mutant kerfuffle? 
Well, <clears throat> excuse me, Kamala's going to be a mutant in the comics by the end of the year, too. I would guess. <clears throat> I would guess somewhere within the halls of Marvel HQ, there is a writer or at least an editor that is in a Slack chat, Slack chat with a writer, and they are coming up with a way on how to lump the X-Men Eternals and humans all under the same... I mean, that's what Judgment Day is about. I'm not sure if you guys have been keeping up, but oh, the, okay. the Eternals in... Can I tell you? I mean, it's been out for a couple of months. Have you been yeah, reading yeah. Eternals? No, it's... I Go ahead. Viewers, so, this, will, this will potentially spoil a comic, but let's... It'll spoil uh, Kieran Gillen's Eternals, but essentially, so... In the Marvel mythos, at least for now, mutants are actually deviants. Mutants are like a subsect of deviants or or whatever. So what's stopping them from just like lumping in humans and in there as well? You know, why why not? Yeah, because you just say it's all the X gene. It's just that some X genes self-activate, some, you know, some need Terrigen, Mm -hmm. whatever. And it's just, it's bizarre that we have all these different groups, you know, uh, that the, you know, in humans versus mutants versus all this stuff, just say, I mean, there's there's humans, there's the people with abilities, mutants, if we you want to call them that, and there's aliens and things like that. Yep. No, it's it's fascinating. I do wonder because it seems like they have like their little pods of things. Like there seems like there's a street level pod that's being created that's like Daredevil and Echo and Hawkeye. And it seems like we have like a Miss Marvel, Secret Invasion, Captain Marvel, spacey side. But, you know, if they made Kamala the new Jubilee, and they basically, the way Jubilee in the animated series was the young point of view character that brought us into the world of the X-Men. And she's like the the tag along young member of the X-Men who then meets all the older X-Men. It would not surprise me at all if they made Kamala like a Jubilee POV character for the X-Men movie. And that would be fascinating and different. I love Kamala and Wolverine. I mean, that is a comic relationship that I think is fun. And so uh, we'll see. I mean, I just, it excited me in that it's a new way to go. And I think it's fascinating when the MCU remixes things in a new way. And so I'm kind of okay with this, even though I know a lot of people are freaking out, you know? I think the important stuff is there. I don't, I, I don't see it as team X-Men. Like Charles didn't get all of the mutants. Like there are mutants out there that didn't end up as X-Men. Yeah. Before, before Krakoa lately with Krakoa kind of, everybody's all on the same team but yeah yeah well yeah krakoa is for everyone isn't that the the tagline it's so exhausting i stuck with it for the most part until swords and then that came up and i'm like man i'm not sure this is this is built for me (laughs) but Rhiannon, if you ever want a bunch of very very in-depth high concept comic bookery um no jonathan hickman's x-men era is for you okay it's like infinity on crack cocaine i kind of love it i'm kind of into it that doesn't surprise you are are. (laughs) i was like it's unnecessarily complex and too many books and too many storylines of course i don't buy the comics man i don't want to read prose when i'm reading comics man yeah i buy the comics for the pictures if you're gonna make me look through charts and transcribe alien languages with charts all the way in the back. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not doing it. Um, he did we... make uh Wolver sorry, Wolverine, yeah. Scott, and Gene share like a three bedroom hallway type thing, which confirmed many of fan theories, but that's besides the point. Yeah, that was that was that was hot news. Did you not know this, Rhiannon? I no. No. There there's been heavy heavy hints that in this new era of x-men that many of the relationships are polyamorous and wolverine is the only non-summers who lives at the summer's residence so okay good for him (laughs) good for him uh we did get carol in this episode 
Yes. I thought I thought it was a perfect stinger. It sets us up for the next movie. Mm-hmm. It didn't detract from this story. We can guess where it's going, though. The bracelets are somehow connected to like nega bands and old Rick Jones storylines and stuff like that in a really fun new way. I don't know. I enjoyed. I enjoyed the way that finished off. Did you guys uh, like the the quick Carol scene? I, I, you know, my problem is Carol Danvers goes a lot of places where there is no oxygen. And um, you're, I, just, you're just a little worried for Kamala. Like, I, like I know she's in the movie. I know they didn't just kill Kamala, but like I care for her very much at this point. And is she somewhere with oxygen, Carol? Is she somewhere with oxygen? I do love the idea that she is on some crazy planet somewhere, like surrounded by like the brood or the yeah. scrolls or like some terrifying alien race. And now Kamala is just going to pop in the middle of it and be like, who the heck are you guys? Like, I, I think right. the humor of that scene will be amazing. Her just running terrified from an alien species, I think, would be hilarious. Exactly. Through the uh, streets of Hala. I mean, I, I'm assuming those are the quantum bands, right? I'm assuming. I, so what's, what's, the, what's the play here? Did Carol come across the other bangle and touched it and now they swapped? Like the quantum bands have been doing, or is it the quantum uh, bands or the mega bands? Uh, they're kind of, I don't know, they're, they're <laughs> whatever, man, just either or. Yeah, no, I, I think it's gonna be like the old days when Captain Marvel and Rick Jones would switch places. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these these bands, and I do think, I think Miss Marvel's gonna tie in eventually to Shang-Chi. I mean, I've heard the theory, which I think makes sense, that the reason that Carol finds the other band is because Carol is searching to learn more about the Ten Rings. And her search for finding out more about the Ten Rings leads her to a similar artifact that's the other bangle. And when she touches it, that's when she transplaces, uh, trades places with Kamala, which I think makes total sense, you know? Yeah. It does it does a great job of making me way more pumped about the Marvels. I'm at least 50-60% more excited about the Marvels now than I was before that scene. Cuz it, it just it sets it within I don't know, it in a way that Thor was like this is completely standalone. This movie is almost purposeless. Like I love that Kamala had her own space but she has now been integrated into the overall narrative in a much richer way than Thor is at the end of his, you know? And I think that's fascinating. I think that's good for the MCU when it starts to lead you on to the next one, you know? Yeah. I am far more interested about the future of her than like the future of Captain America or of Sam Wilson as Captain America of Thor of, I mean, I feel like Doctor Strange, I'm very interested in wherever that's going. We don't even know if Moon Knight's going anywhere. We should have a rule. It should be trilogy and you're done. You get three movies and you develop your character over three movies. I think everybody I think everybody gave Thor a chance for a fourth because the second one sucked. So maybe Thor is just the maybe Thor just has to be good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. So the fifth one will be it'll be good. The fifth one will be good. Yeah. I, you know, I'm okay if if Avengers six, like they're in bad space a spot, and all of a sudden they see a Bifrost and Thor comes through with love and just starts hacking like people to pieces. Mm-hmm. That kind of Thor is fine. I just I don't I don't need another two and a half hours of Thor. I just I don't. Yeah. Give me a Valkyrie show. I'm kind of sad that Jane Foster isn't available. Like I would have rather had a Jane Foster movie, but that was an interesting, I don't know. That's a whole another thing. We're bringing back Jane Foster. We'll do a female Thor and then we'll kill her. You know, like. Yes. Anyway. Anyways, Miss Marvel was, Miss Marvel was lovely though. It was lovely. And the weird thing is it's like the highest rated Rotten Tomatoes Marvel thing ever, right? Oh, really? Yeah. It has like a 97 or 98 on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, and I feel like the people who saw it adore it. It's just a lot of people skipped it. So, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people definitely tuned out by now. Yeah. So now it isn't 
because it's a TV show, I think, or it didn't have enough things, it's not like certified fresh. It has a 98% positive on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. I mean, Iron Man and Black Panther were like 94s and 93s, I think. So, wow. Yay, Kamala. Yeah. As long as we just keep seeing her. And this is the thing people worry about the MCU. Kamala still debuted as a top 10 show on streaming with one episode. Like, and Thor Love and Thunder is still going to be a profitable movie. It won't be a billion dollar movie, but it will make money. And so I'm not too worried that Marvel, Disney will continue to pump out products that are making them tens or hundreds of millions of dollars in profit. You know, like it's more predictable than anything else at the box office. So agreed. All right. I think that does it. You guys have anything else tonight? No, no. I just have to go pack for San Diego. Yeah. Um, I have been uh, reading the Hellstrom 1990s Hellstrom run and Caleb, you may find it fascinating. Oh yeah. It's absolutely bonkers, but it's very, I mean, it's knee deep in the, the faith aspect of it. It's just insane i don't think it's on unlimited so you'd have to get the the two complete collections or whatever they are but it's mm. it's bonkers okay hmm. i've been reading um so i did like uh jeff smith's latest kickstarter mm-hmm. for his his latest book tukey i don't love tukey it's fine it's just there's not much to it but i got the full edition of Rassel. Just the book he did after Bone that nobody ever talks about. I kind of love it. It's really good. It's like a, um, it's a multiverse story. It's like a multiverse caper kind of thing almost. Uh, but also really weirdly, since Bone was a kid's book, like there's a lot of like drinking and sex and swearing hmm. and stuff. Like I was not expecting that, but it really fits like a, it's almost like a multiversal like crime no- film noir kind of feel to it. If that makes any sense. And it's kind of a really tight story and it delves into like Nikola Tesla and some of the weirdness of Tesla and the way that that plays out in like modern inventions and stuff. It's really good. I like it. And I don't feel like anybody ever talks about it. So Jeff Smith's Rassel, R-A-S-L. Oh yeah. It's actually terribly named because I think they call him that like once and then that his name never appears again in the book. Well, What's the title with, of the book? With all the sex, the wrestlings. So oh, okay. Cool. That's it. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And on that note, Marvel On Newscast. that note, it's <laughs> <laughs> been another wonderful episode of Marvel News. Thanks for everybody who supports us. Thanks for Patreon. Thanks for everybody who's listening and watching. Uh, pay attention to the Twitter. Rhiannon, mm-hmm. I think, will update it some. Pay attention particularly to her Twitter. That will be definitely be updated. And uh, we... We'll be real. Rhiannon's not really worth much on the Sunday after San Diego. So either Adam and I will do something or we'll wait till Monday or Tuesday the week after so that we can let Rhiannon recover a little bit. She'll be in quarantine at that point anyway. Yeah. So. Plenty of time to podcast. It's it's funny, but it's true. Rhiannon's going to be the one. She's pacing zero for BA7. Or what's the next one in the line? Yeah, I think six or seven. They're not even doing them in order. The new one's like BA 2.75 or something ridiculous like this, right? The what happened? Added... Isn't Omicron like a Greek letter or something? What's what's the next one in the alphabet? They're not in order. To, They're I not mean, in order. They were, mm. but they weren't. It's alpha, beta, delta, gamma, epsilon, zeta, eta, theta, rho. So, like, it went from delta to Omicron. There's either a bunch in the middle that we skipped or they just went random i don't know yeah i don't i don't i don't know but it all has to do with like which one they branch off from but before we end breaking news coming across the wire from rolling stone bots and other inauthentic users helped fuel the fan-led campaign for Zack snyder's justice league snyder cut release no according to a new report from warner media no, you're Girl. telling me that all of the really terrible things were like, people would be like, my son died of cancer. Release the Snyder Cut. You th- you'd say a bot would do that sort of inhuman behavior? 
so Man. yeah, that's uh, Rolling Stone with the exclusive. Last wow. time I talked to that group, they sent me some death threats over Zeus. So I'm probably not going to write that up. Uh, yeah. Safe uh, Daredevil will never send you death threats, Adam. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Agents of Shield people are getting wild out there, though. Oof. They're I don't even. Wild. I won't even say the name of the Agents of Shield character that has gotten me the worst response on Twitter. It is bizarre, man. I mean, it was Lincoln wasn't it? Just Lincoln, Lincoln hater, Lincoln lovers, Lincoln lovers. Did you see Fitz? Just I don't Ian what the cast sticker or whatever said. Uh, someone asked him he's like would you ever return to the role and he's like no i'm done he didn't return for the last season like we rewatched yeah. it with our oldest daughter and like i had forgot that season they're like fitz is hiding somewhere called yeah. contractual negotiation <laughs> you yeah. know like he was just like i'm out guys i'm done <laughs> yeah. all right the more we babble on like this the more i have to edit so <laughs> thanks for listening to the show everybody See you later. Uh...